A write-in contest to create a brand new kaiju results in an atypical Godzilla film from now veteran Jun Fukuda. But will this monstrous cage match resonate with the dwindling Daikaiju audience and hold up historically? Find out in this week's episode. This is Kaiju vs. History, Godzilla vs. Megalon. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your sultry, Cetopian supplicant, Patrick, here. And joining me is an android architect, Miles. Miles, how are you? Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is mm. this is an interesting entry in the Godzilla canon because... So much history to talk about here. Well, <sighs> no, it's, 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 it's interesting in its kind of invisibility in the franchise this one does not come up a lot even though it's one i saw as a kid even though it's saw it on mst3k yeah Mm. even though and even though there's nothing like you know there's we'll we'll talk about when we talk talk about scores there's nothing like Mm -hmm. stand out awful about it or stand out amazing it's just it's an entry and that's an interesting thing because godzilla films are typically you know either fairly strong or fairly weak. There's there's not a whole lot of temperate middle ground in, in, in the franchise. But when we get into some of these later entries in the Showa era, you do have that pop up a little more frequently. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to talk about this one because I certainly don't dislike it. And I think there's a lot of memorable things about the movie, but it is one that tends to get kind of left behind. I, I would I would imagine it, it's in the bottom half of most people's rankings. Yeah, and it's so funny because it is high up there on my personal enjoyment, but is it a good Godzilla movie? I don't know. <laughs> there's there's certainly we're we're going to talk about other people's ratings where it, it kind of lands historically and the context for why Godzilla in the US is is more remembered for films like this as opposed to 1954's Gojira and because right. this one was around a lot more it's around in in theaters for for a longer period of time probably than 54's Gojira or King of the Monsters well not only that but like you know the versus entries tended to get more at least from my experience more airplay here and mm-hmm. it's what I remember the franchise being about because I mean at this point we're 20 years removed from the original just about uh, yep yep i think 19 and, exactly but and so i mean that's that's a lot of time and uh, but before i guess before we get into that that aspect we should talk about what's in a title oh boy so much this week of course we're talking about june fakuda's fourth film now in the godzilla series godzilla versus megalon is this his fourth or fifth i forget but anyway, this was released in Japan in 1973 in the U.S. three years later in 1976. And oh boy, the 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 final Japanese title. Well, why don't I have this ready to go? <laughs> the final Japanese title is Gojira Tai Megaro, 
Godzilla versus Megalon. But the original script had several other parts of the titles and subtitles, including the Undersea Kingdom's Annihilation Strategy. <laughs> that was a, a major tag on several of the early scripts put forward. Well, I also like that one because it started off with Godzilla versus the Megalon Brothers. Yes, and I think maybe there was going to be a couple of of monsters that were were coming up from underground. This title from Spain, Miles, is almost unbelievable. Gorgo and Superman meet in Tokyo. <laughs> All right. Well, Gorgo, as in the the British the, kaiju. The, which I guess did very well in Spain and Superman as in calling jet Jaguar Superman. I mean, I, I can see what they're, I guess going for, but yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's actually a couple of, of world titles, including Greece and Israel that have Superman in the title for in place of jet Jaguar. And I thought that was weird, but that probably came out in 76 or 77 after the u.s distribution of the film and which makes sense richard donard superman was 77 or 76 yeah so makes makes a lot of sense when you put it in that time period but i found it i mean seeing that like france has this one titled godzilla 1980 that gives you a little bit of a frame when some of these countries are getting they got it yeah yeah, but I find it hilarious that Gorgo is mentioned because like Gorgo, this movie has no female characters in it whatsoever. <laughs> so it's kind of harkening back to that film as well. I guess unless you count Gorgo <laughs> or Gorgo's mom. <laughs> I forget which one's Gorgo. Mexico called this planetary titans, as you mentioned, in, in France and in Belgium, Godzilla 1980. West Germany called it King Kong demons from outer space. No, no Frankenstein title. This no Frankenstein, <laughs> but man, just, just always knocking on someone else's door. <laughs> Turkey called it the beast that shakes the world, uh, which makes sense because Megalon at the very least causes kind of some earthquake actions with his underground drilling. And yeah. Yeah, Israel's Superman in space, and I don't think they go to space at any point. It's It's been a couple weeks since I've seen this movie, but one thing so, I wanted to talk about before we get onto the movie itself was these two posters I've put in our notes here. The Japanese poster is very trippy. It's got kind of a kaleidoscope background of yellow, blue, red, and green, and the four main kaiju. It, it does exactly what it needs to do, which is draw your eye in and show the monsters. <laughs> of <guess>. course, <laughs> it kind of looks like a coloring book. <laughs> it's it's very bright. The US cover is a great hand-drawn picture and it makes very little it. sense, but it has Godzilla and Megalon each on top of one of the twin towers in New York City where they never go in the film fighting when there's like there's like jets and attack helicopters around them. It's a great poster. It's I, I think <laughs> didn't they do something similar with him and King Kong in, in one of the posters? So this is based on the marketing for the as that at that point unreleased 
1977 King Kong, the, the poster was already out, I guess, at that point and had Kong, I believe, with one foot on each of the twin towers, you know, kind of to show his size. So this is just in that style. I find it hilarious, though, and I love it. It's <laughs> it so dumb. Makes so little sense. It's like, why it's, would they be up there? It's, and it's perfect. How they get up there without destroying the buildings? <laughs> but yes, it is. It is great. It is worth mentioning, though. And yeah, <laughs> this was for the, like I said, the 1976 Cinema Shares release of the film, a distribution company here in the U.S. that would go on, I think, to release the next two Godzilla movies, Mechagodzilla and Terror of Mechagodzilla after this. And yeah, this this would start a couple of years worth of return to Godzilla hype in the US, bringing those movies over and maybe indeed getting another little bump off of King Kong. If you can believe that (laughs) one of the reasons Godzilla started was love of King Kong in Japan and maybe Godzilla became even more popular here in the 70s because of the popularity of that movie. You mentioned this is a bit of an oddity of a film, Miles versus Megalon. Mm-hmm. Well, what, is there anything extremely odd about the plot? Did, did you have a something you want to bring up recap-wise about this story? Because it feels like a lot of retreaded kind of ideas. There certainly seems to be kind of a a hodgepodge of use utilizing different things, uh, honestly, from Honda's canon, you know, like latitude <laughs> yeah. zero had the undersea kingdoms and, you know, they've, they've used the moo kingdoms before. Yeah. Atragon, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there is there, there's that kind of archetype that's revisited, but what's interesting here is even though the Seatopia people, which man, they not try. Um, <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> what's his it's, name it's, from? It, it's uh, it's sound, Robert it's sound. Robert Dunham put on a toga, Miles, <laughs> and and uh, something on his head, and and he looked at the the part of Emperor Antonio. <laughs> yeah. What what's odd here is the the innate human story is kind of bad. Characters, dialogue, basically. Yeah, it's certainly fun. I mean, the, the, the Jet Jaguar of it all is pretty neat. I, I like yeah. that aspect. And I wish they had retooled that story to be more of a Jet Jaguar story, which, I mean, I mean will it, be. It already is a re- lot of Jet Jaguar in this film. <laughs> right. But I mean, just kind of more towards the character. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of character. And then they take it away at the end. It's very strange. That will be redeemed, you know, in 50 years when yeah. Singular Point comes out. Unbelievably, but, they they make up for so much and oh, do so much yes. with that that concept of the the robot fighting Kaiju. And but like, it, it, yeah, I, it was, I gotta, it was just I gotta it, say it was impossible to, to meet someone that said, oh, yeah, you know, uh, my favorite <laughs> Godzilla character is Jet Jaguar. I, I mean, look, before I love Singular Jet Point. Jaguar. <laughs> I got. I, you, I, I think even before you do, I, point, I, it's it's about. I got you a Jet Jaguar figure. <laughs> you you did. I'm. I I do like. I mean, partially the re- and the. I think the real reason anyone likes Jet Jaguar initially is it's essentially Ultraman in. I, I gotta say, I Godzilla. Really, I do like the design though for, for Jet Jaguar. He's great. And 
him. I think we'll the reason that, that it works is because he looks like Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so hard to like not have or, or to have any kind of silver suited human character and, and not have comparisons to Ultraman. But it's of not course. just that he's, he's silver and red. And <laughs> well, he's also yellow and blue. He's, he's got no, more the, colors than the way Ultraman. his costume is. He's very <laughs> Ultraman. You can tell uh, he's Ultraman by the way he look. <laughs> but the way he looks like Ultraman. The, the way he looks like Ultraman. I but I mean, I, I there, there are aspects of it that I, I do enjoy. But even from the very beginning, I'm like, well, you know, the CT people aren't the bad guys. I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're putting off nukes near their home and it's causing them problems. So yeah, I can see why all over Japan. I can see why there's some retaliation. Yes, um, this isn't like, a, oh, we are going to take over the surface world. It's it's kind of, it's you know, very 1940s Namor kind of storytelling where Namor was the villain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, this is the plot of Black Panther 2, Miles. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I wasn't even talking about that movie. I'm just talking about like classic Namor. But yeah, yeah, it's and there's nothing wrong with that story but it's like here the the way it's framed is like they're using things where like oh they're using cloak and dagger sort of Mm -hmm. operations and like they're doing things that bad bad people have done throughout kaiju history yep a little Uh, bit of james bond secret organization in there but also it's very similar to the aliens operations in versus Gigan, you know, the movie we just came from in Godzilla's canon. Well, but then they have a couple throwaway lines where like, oh, I guess we're going to destroy all the surface world. And I'm like, I mean, I know they're going to throw that line in there. So like, oh, they are the bad guys. But it's like, I can't really like if you're nuking my home. Yeah, I'm going to do something. I'm going to unleash a monster who (laughs) could I just needed a little more time cooking on on that drawing board of, of megalon yeah i am going to defend megalon miles i because don't dislike megalon they, there I is i think he's a cool monster i just oh, think yeah. he needed a little more designing to him i mean i'm just talking just purely from a like an aesthetic standpoint i think he's cool i just wish they kind of added a little bit more flair to him i think the design is near perfect i think some some variations in his color palette would have really done the trick. Like maybe just the wings. Once the only time you see it is when he opens it up, but he has like very brightly colored wings or or something along those lines. Yeah. The the design element I'm I'm a big fan of. We'll we'll talk about that, but yeah, they, they summon Megalon of course, and also take over jet Jaguar the entire time we have incoming Godzilla. (laughs) Godzilla is not in the first uh, he's not in this movie until of the film, really. He, yeah. I don't think he really properly pops up until like timers timers going down. It's like 20 minutes left in the film, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, when he properly but, appears, kind and, of the same thing with, I mean, many of his film appearances. But this one, at the very least, you do feel like you get a proper kind of Godzilla fight with some very so, memorable, memeable moments it's, in it. Of it course. is certainly so the, the battle, the actual verses, the, the marquee moment of this movie is, is the big saving grace of this movie to me. I mean, it's not that I, like I said earlier, it's not that I dislike a lot of it, mm-hmm. but that last third is 
really, really enjoyable because it is the, I think the best we have seen in terms of a monster battle being a wrestling match. 100%. And it it just, it goes from the very beginning of it until the end. The way Godzilla, who, I don't know if I copied the the suit actor down, but it is his only appearance, I want to say, as God's Godzilla. I'm, su- um, I'm super into this the the suit work in this movie. I think I thought he did uh, a great job. Shinji Takaji. And yeah, I don't think he's gonna play Godzilla again after this. This is coming off of one of our first non-Haru Nakajima performances of the big G. I I enjoyed it. Him walking up to Megalon and <laughs> Gigan, it it really felt like the rock entering the ring, you know. Oh, I mean <laughs> it was no, certainly the, no music, the big debut daddy's home. He's like punching but, the air. <laughs> Godzilla's like getting ready for it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of great pantomime in this movie. The the moment when uh Megalon and Gigan set everything on fire and are just giggling, it's <sighs> <laughs> yeah so funny and it's like what that fire really have hurt a robot and or godzilla who no i, 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 I was thinking the same thing i was like this is hurting no one but it visually looks fantastic yeah and and this 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 battle does mirror a really great tag team match especially like wouldn't be super dissimilar to a, a japanese style match or at least like in new japan but mm-hmm. In tag team wrestling matches, there is a moment that is called the hot tag. It's mm-hmm. a, a moment in the storytelling where two of the typically bad guy team are beating up one member of the babyface team. And that person is struggling to get to the, their side of the ring so they can tag in their partner. They usually, you know, mm-hmm. take them back, perform a couple of like special moves. And eventually, you get that hot tag. You get that tag on the other person who then becomes almost near invincible and just starts wrecking people to amp up the drama of the good guy comeback. Yeah. And this does that so well with, I mean, obviously it's not as uh, dynamic as it would be in an actual wrestling ring, but it's the closest we've seen so far of basically literally Jet Jaguar tagging Godzilla and Godzilla just wrecking Gigan <laughs> and Megalon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like actively suplexes one of them, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he yeah, he lifts Megalon up by like his shoulders and lifts just... him up over his head and then just slams him down multiple times. Of course we gotta talk about the kick. <laughs> the flying kick that <laughs> was so good, of course, had to do it twice. There's a a meme you can definitely find of Godzilla kind of flying forward on his tail with legs akimbo in front of him. I I love this because the little shimmy Godzilla does before he gets started (laughs) to get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Some some pretty very comedic, very character driven Godzilla in this film. And, you know, maybe it was time for a little fresh take on it. But I feel like this is what Haru Nakajima wanted to do with some of his more over-the-top Godzilla actions and just never could under the direction of either Subaraya or Ashiro Honda take it into a more wrestling venue. And, uh, you know, hats off to Jun Fukuda because it works here and it's going to work, I think, in the next 
film as well. And maybe was a little bit of what was was missing from from some of the other Godzilla films. I would have loved to have seen this kind of fighting happened in the Destroy All Monsters oh, yeah. mega battle. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Destroy All Monsters should have just been a battle royale the entire time. Well, um, yeah, they're very they're, they're still at that point dead set on making the monsters kind of fight like animals as opposed to these more humanoid characters. And you'll see a little bit of that as well in even up until the legendary series <laughs> until King Kong comes in and then he's just like a, a human insert into I, the, I, the story. I will say I, I love King Kong in that movie because he's just he's so like dejected. Like it's that movie should have been con- called King Kong and then terrible, awful, no good, very bad day because it, like just the way just things keep happening to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just so funny because he's just he's just wanting to chill. He wants to be left alone. Yeah, he's like um, they take him to Antarctica. He's like, nah, fine, this is fine, whatever. <laughs> I mean, they're like, no, you have to go in this giant hole to the center of the earth. Um, I, the one thing that struck me as weird, and I, I did make a note of this, where I said, Gigan's taking requests now because they just seem to have Godzilla and a Gigan on speed dial. Yeah, they, he, they get him on loan, like from the aliens that created him. I guess. Like, <laughs> I, I'm very confused by it as well, but it is great. It is awesome to see Gigan back so, yeah, I, so quickly. I love Gigan. And Megalon and Gigan are very similar kind of designs. They both have these metal claw-like appendages for He's got arms. Drills and Gigan's got the little like hooks. And yeah, I Gigan's think maybe that's why I felt I wanted a little more out of Megalon's design, just because he does feel a little similar to Gigan. Yeah, a less less colorful Gigan for sure. Yeah, but they make a great bad guy tag team for for this film I, I love them together yeah they're they they're they're little uh little little poop starters i mean they they just like <laughs> wreck things and yeah. they are absolutely delighted to be to be doing that I, I like that i like having pure bad guys for godzilla to fight as opposed to like i'm i'm like godzilla versus mothra is an excellent film and it's be- it's the storytelling that really helps it be an excellent film. I don't really want to see Godzilla and Mothra fight. It's not one of my favorite things because mm. one, I like both those monsters, but like only in movies where like Godzilla is purely just like the antagonistic force or is being misunderstood. Does it work for me? And it, it only works in like a couple of films, typically the ones that are called Godzilla versus Mothra. <laughs> but when I get when I get a versus movie, I want to see Godzilla take on a really bad monster because mm-hmm. for me, and this is purely just me, I do always see Godzilla as a good guy or at least an anti-hero. And it's certainly at this point, God, Godzilla was a, a Superman type. He was he's a superhero. Yeah. You and know, this, this movie, I think, is it's been happening for several films. What you're describing, this is the cement because mm-hmm. Godzilla does like nothing in this film except beat up bad, bad guys. guys. Mm-hmm. He doesn't th- there's no real destruction scenes with him or even well you could I, argue Hetera as well but I mean yeah things get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hetera is still so 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 great <laughs> for I, I for it. the character. Godzilla is as annoyed with Hetera as 
the entirety of Japan. So which just makes see, sense. I, I think that's what I love so much and what I didn't pick up on as much as a kid is just like how like what a curmudgeon Godzilla is. Like mm-hmm. he's the one that's put upon like he pops up, all right, I'll save the day. Just leave me alone. <laughs> like get off my lawn. Like that is that is Godzilla's vibe and I'm super, super into it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the the context and history behind this film before we we even yeah get to how it's it's been perceived in our ratings. Of course, the the big story for this film we talked about in our intro is the first idea for for Jet Jaguar and and for this film started from a 1971 superstore chain called Seiyu, the the Japanese superstore chain. They had partnered with Toho and Subaraya Productions to have a fan, like a, a child, submit a design and description for an original monster. Very important. They were soliciting for the next monster, basically, for Godzilla to fight or to show up in a TV show. Or yeah, I don't know if they said it was going to be a movie or not. And the, the contest was called Children Monster University and <laughs> Chibiko Kaiju Daika. Dai Gaku and the the winner was announced on TV. The kid's name was Masaki Sano and the monster he drew was Red Arone or Red Alone and also had other names including Jet Alone and Ace Man and things and I don't think I added <laughs> the art in but if you google that Miles very similar to what we'll get color wise there's it's a yellow, red, blue and silver scheme with some green as well. So maybe like one additional color. And the monster had wings, mm. but a very different head. It, it felt more like an Ultraman villain in in that way. And they took that design and said, OK, we're totally redoing this. Made it into Jet Jaguar, who went from a monster, a kaiju monster to a robot android. And the they had veteran Jun Fukuda collaborator Nobuyuki Yasamuaru and a novice designer named Tomoki Kobayashi, who would work on Submersion of Japan in 73 and become yes, the chief, one of my favorites. Yeah, he, he'd become the chief modeler for basically the entirety of the Heisei era. I think almost every movie in the, the Heisei era. So they they. They didn't do the initial redesign, but they did the modeling for Jet Jaguar's suits. And obviously, there's a lot of Ultraman inspirations, taking it from a monster to a robot character. But I enjoy what they did. They kept like the color scheme and some mm-hmm. other aspects. And Jet Jaguar is a great name. I I really enjoy oh, it. Oh, I, I love I love I love the name. It's a very comic name. Yeah, and it's also like a very much like. A kid's name for a toy, which is what he starts oh, off of in the movie. Yes. And that aspect I do like a lot about it. Like the, the thing that sucks about the human side of the story is not that any of the performers are bad. It's just they're not really called to do anything interesting. And often they're kind of made to look silly in a way that isn't beneficial to the movie. Like at the beginning of the movie when the earthquake happens and <laughs> the kids on the lake on the the little fish boat that does nothing. Like yeah. well, it never moves. Let's talk about that kid who we saw 
in Godzilla versus Hedera. Haruki uh, Kawase was Roku in this film. And yeah, we, we, he was the, the kid in, in Hedera, which I did not realize while I was watching this. And we also have a couple other actors as Goro, the inventor, who I think is his uncle. And I, I uh, think he's supposed to be his uncle. And, and we're going to see him uh, several times in the franchise. Yeah, yeah. This, I think, was his first film. But yeah, he, he would have some small roles in Heisei. And even into legendary Godzilla films, he did voice acting for the Japanese dubs. So... Yeah, he's well, been around man. for the uh, every era of Godzilla films, basically. That's I mean, that's um, I, I love that. I mean, I th- it's one of those things. It's kind of like the James Bond movies in the West, I guess. There's there's just all it's always fun to see sort of that kind of legacy. Yeah. And that, I, I, I really love seeing it in this franchise because, you know, you have so many phenomenal actors and I, we just recently, you know, lost. Uh, oh, yeah. one of them. Unfortunately, a lot of the hate or um, Showa era actors are are passing away. But I believe Katsuhiko Sasaki, who who plays Goro, is still alive. I did not <laughs> do too much research, but I was so excited to see that he was in. Did the the legendary? Yeah, I um, I love that voice acting. Yeah, I believe he he's still with us, and he he's dubbed in Japanese. Tons of American films. I'm just looking at. His, I'm yeah, no, it's it's, it's a he's done a, De Niro. He's done Alec Baldwin. He's he's like their go to for a lot of huge actors. But it, yeah, and also David uh, Strathairn from the legendary Godzilla films, who's like the the general the wants to kill Godzilla. And he's done stuff as recently as looks like Star Wars Visions. So I mean, he's he's still be bopping around. Oh yeah, right. So. Outside of of Jet Jaguar, one of the reasons why this film's script, character, and dialogue might feel a little cobbled together is <laughs> the one of the uh, the creators of of the film, um, Teriyoshi Nakano, said that the film went into production without a final script, and in <laughs> they had like an outline from Sinichi Sekazawa. And Joan Fukuda was writing the screenplay like as they were in production and, you know, starting to to set up their shooting schedule and things like that. So the actors probably didn't get their <laughs> their lines, their dialogue until they were already on on set and good to go. And maybe that accounts for some of the unevenness of the film. I don't know, but. A lot of people do ding this movie for for that. I don't think there's anything wrong with their performances, but plot wise, this film lacks a lot. I'll be the first to say. Yeah, and it, it's it's such a weird movie because, like, you know, this movie was pretty much ignored in Japan, but was a a pretty big hit here. Like you yeah. said earlier, this is kind of the the resurgence of, of the kaiju stuff, and I mean, yeah. there was even like I think one cut for tv that was like 40 minutes which actually might have really helped i think cutting cutting some more of this film would have been great yeah the u.s version only cut like three minutes of of some (laughs) apparently fairly violent things that wouldn't have made it over here for a g movie but yeah this this is one of the first godzilla movies to sell less than a million tickets in japan 
but it, it is funny. It did better over here in the U.S. because by the time this came out, they'd stopped making Godzilla movies in Japan. They, they had finished with Terror of Mecha Godzilla and wouldn't make another film for nine years. <laughs> so it is funny that it did kind of find an audience even around the world a few years later. And well, and um, even, even some of the critical, like the critics are actually kind of kind over here to it. Writer, uh, Vincent Camby, I think famously praised Godzilla's development, stating that the dragon has become St. George, which is a <laughs> lovingly poetic way to put it. Yeah, um, was that, I forget where that quote, I saw that one as well. And he, that same critic had, disliked some of the other Showa era movies that are definitely better <laughs> than this one. <laughs> it's it critic critics history with this, the with these movies in general is is odd. I mean, we were we were just talking a couple weeks ago about how like Hedera has this reputation Stigma. of being awful and it's literally one of the best movies in the franchise. <laughs> yeah, uneven in places, but it, it has a a very strong story script and, and characters who I kind of understood their motivations. I don't understand Goro or Hiroshi's, you know, they're just uh, there. Yeah. They're, they're just there. I kind of thought they were, (laughs) there were a couple at first. They're like the movie starts with them lounging on the side of the hill, watching who who I thought was their son, (laughs) Roku. No, I was like, this is a very progressive movie. (laughs) That, that, (laughs) The the dolphin boat with the <laughs> that you said does nothing. Yeah, that that sequence is great. <laughs> my note, my note is a lot more explicit than does nothing. Um, <laughs> there's there's a a lot of crazy sequences in this film that that oh, starts yeah, off. Th- the there's movie also is, one where the, a robot apparently gets dizzy, which I found stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Megalon flying around Jet Jaguar. <laughs> it seems like you know you could just not keep turning around in a circle. But, well, not yeah. only that, but I'm like, you, you you're a robot. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the designs. Cause we have a couple of major new suits in, in the Sudmation territory. Mm-hmm. We talked about the original design for jet Jaguar, what it ended up being though. You know, you've mentioned it's a very Ultraman inspired look. Do you like jet Jaguars design here? Because I, I will admit I didn't like it. At first, it has grown so much on me. Miles I, is one of the Showa era. Well, designs I mean, I really think like like Hedera, Jet Jaguar has benefited from you know time being kind to the character, but also getting a, a really massive shot in the arm from Godzilla Singular Point mm-hmm. and showcasing what that character can be. I like the design, but I'm mm. a I'm a fan of tokusatsu i'm a fan of a lot of the japanese superhero designs so yeah i i, I don't care that's a ripoff of ultraman i'll tease it for it but i also <laughs> kind of why i like it so yeah, so colorful yeah, I'm, I'm, too. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of jet jaguar's design i mean it's a it's very much a superhero robot design and it's super fun to see like another good guy character like this because we don't get a ton of that like yes you know Angerus will kind of clomp along but and and to be fair, Jet Jaguar is not the most effective fighter, but he does some things. Yeah. And <laughs> I really like I just yeah, I really like everything about it because there are characters that should be as like, I think, screen time consuming as Jet Jaguar is in this film, like King Cesar, mm-hmm. uh, who isn't. And 
I really, I really w- want to see more of that. And I really hope that the upcoming Toho films will, will do that. Cause I'm pretty sure legendary is just, it's just going to be Godzilla and Kong broing out now. So, I mean, if, if we get something even half as cool as this team up in their next outing, then I think you really got a, an awesome film, but they need to do the same thing. They need to have two monsters for King Kong and Godzilla to fight. They, there has to be a two on two. To oh make yeah. That I, really I think there needs to be definitely some, some, I, I think they're going to go either something. I mean, now we're just going to speculate on a movie. that's going to come out <laughs> in two years. Uh, but I, I would imagine it's either going to have something to do with the center of the earth, but I think they'll also probably do some, some sort of other civilization. Mm-hmm. Have it. I mean, you, you gotta like, Maybe tie into the origins of where Ghidorah comes from. Then you can bring in Gigan and some other monster. Maybe make a new one. I mean, yeah, it's I, not I'd the be, worst idea. I'd be perfectly fine for for new monsters if if they they work well. I don't necessarily need to see a Gigan or a Megalon or or what I, have you in I'd Legendary. See, but I think it would be cool. <laughs> I'd be sure. down to see Gigan. I would be down to see Biollante or Hedera. And especially if they do the center of the Earth, they could use those sort of environmentally leaning creatures to to do that i think there could be some cool like yeah. imagine the, the kind of sam raimi horror stuff you could do with hetera yeah i don't know i feel like biolante and, and hetera are just so tied to humanity you know <laughs> i don't know if yeah that'd be uh anyway speaking of godzilla the there is a new suit designed for this film and it was one of the fastest put together of the entirety of the the Showa era suits, the Megaro Goji suit, which you like this one. I, 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 I do. I don't like the eyes in this, this film. Apparently they hadn't like wired them correctly to, to move. And they are a little bit larger than our, our prior. They, they are. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of the late Showa era Godzilla suits. They're, mm-hmm. they're just kind of the right amount of grumpy. And <laughs> this one at least isn't falling apart with little pieces flaking yeah, off of it. But like, <laughs> yeah, Godzilla just kind of looks like an angry puppy, like like like, mm-hmm. like an angry wet puppy. And yeah. I'm super into that look. I'm I'm a I just I understand it's it's not technically the best Godzilla suit, but I really <laughs> do love this suit. I just like look. I just want to. I just want to scratch under his chin. He's so cute. Yeah, this this isn't my favorite, but this is going to be the suit for basically the rest of the Showa era. We're going to see it in Zone Fighter. We're going to see it in the two Mechagodzilla films, although I think they change out the head maybe for Terra of Mechagodzilla. But yeah, it, it is going to be what we get basically until the Heisei Godzilla era. We talked about Megalon already. I'll, I'll save chatting about that. W- do you have a favorite scene in the film, Miles? Something that I kind of already out spoiled you? that the, the the hot tag scene. I thought, oh yeah, that, the, I mean the, the whole fight is just so good. That whole fight is is so good, but that specific moment just because it mirrors a wrestling match. And I mean, I know listeners have probably heard, you know, I'm just really into wrestling, so <laughs> I. But I also think that like that's what these things should be is like that's what I love so much about Godzilla versus Kong when it came out is like there was some actual wrestling stuff like that's yeah, that's they, what these fights need to be. They actually showed the 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 fights as fights. Yeah, for for sure. It, it was missing a little bit from the King of the Monsters legendary film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some, oh some yeah, cool but that, that movie is so but, cool. Yeah. That, but there, there's not another kind of humanoid creature for for Kong to battle, and it's as much as people like Ghidorah, I just don't think visually those fights are always as interesting as as going up against someone like Gigan or Megalon would be. And yeah, it 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 makes sense because those suit actors have a little bit more to do, and they're not you don't have people puppeting heads and things like that. I guess it's all CGI and legendary, so that doesn't make a difference. But in this film, I it's been so long since I've seen it. I did not remember the the damn scene at all. Mm-mm. A really great set, and in, in so many of the other the last five or six. Godzilla films, we don't have anything really placing the size of Godzilla. Very few of these like take place, these battles in cities anymore. They're always out in the the lowlands, the foothills, the forests, with very little to 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 set scale for the monsters. Even though that the dam is huge and, and Megalon is kind of dwarf by comparison, you still get a great sense of the scale because of the way June Fakuda is able to use the the main characters in the truck and the bridge to kind of set how big Megalon is, even under this massive bridge. And then its destruction is great. It reminded me a lot of the other damn destruction we got in the Showa era, which is in Gamera versus Baragon. Very, very short sequence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what did and didn't work in this movie for you? What else would you like to point out? You, you talked about the bad boat sequence. The bad oh gosh, yeah. So the, poke, well, but. And, but what's what's wild is like you you have this opening shot of like some really good special effects, and then you've got this quiet moment in, and it's just it comes off as goofy because nothing's working, and this the kid just looks lost. It's just. It really just doesn't work. I also you, felt the score I, I was uh, kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. There's some reused bits from from other there's, June Fukuda pieces. A, yeah, the, so you have like the June Fukuda like Godzilla theme that pops up, but on on a whole, the music overall was just it felt off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is uh, another one by the same composer Richiro Manabe who did Versus Hetera. So you've got that new kind of Godzilla entrance song that that we get repeated here which i i do enjoy and there's there's a theme song for jet jaguar at the end <laughs> jet jaguar punch 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 <laughs> but besides that yeah there's not a lot of great interstitial action music in the film which is which is a shame you feel like something from a james bond film of the era would would have worked you know like a Mm-hmm. A jazzy, you know, kind of action sequence uh, music. But there, there's a rumor, Miles, that this was planned to be a Jet Jaguar solo film. And then they added in Godzilla late in the, the process. And, you know, like most rumors in Kaiju, there's not a lot of basis for that. <laughs> the all the original drafts that were were turned in over the course of, I think, a year all had Godzilla as the the feature. And maybe at some point there's more Jet Jaguar added into the, the final script. But yeah, you can understand maybe why people thought that was true. I think Jet Jaguar has more screen time than Godzilla in this movie. There's only about 10 minutes in the 81 minute runtime for the big G on screen here. But 
like you said, that final fight, it's such a quality appearance of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of makes up for it. Like wh- one of our favorite films of the Showa era invasion of the Astro monster has the least amount of Godzilla screen time. I think of any Godzilla film and that one is still great. <laughs> and they use those eight minutes. He's on screen very well in that film. We, we talked a little bit about the legacy and the criticisms past and present for this movie. It is interesting that this didn't do as well in Japan, but it is now considered one of the worst Godzilla movies. I was very surprised by, by looking this up, but on Rotten Tomatoes, there's both like a critic score and an audience score. And if you average them together, this is sitting at the third worst Godzilla film that is rated on that site. The third worst bottom three. And you can probably it's, guess is what the other two are. But one of those includes the American uh, 98 Godzilla. So it's so here's here's the thing is it likely is, like I said, in the bottom half of my Godzilla rankings. And but some of those, I mean, it, it would get low enough just because so many of these movies are so good. So much fun. Yeah. And. And while this one certainly had has standout monster battles, even though that's what people are coming for, because it says Godzilla versus Guy again, we all kind of <laughs> versus Megalon. I'm sorry, Godzilla versus Megalon. <laughs> yeah, we all kind of the score is that we're going to get 20 minutes of what we want to see and then hope the other hour and 10 minutes is OK. <laughs> yeah, not, and, not so and, much. And in this instance, it's not. And so much so that it really brings the film down. I don't I, we you know, we talked about this at the top of the show. This this movie has a reputation for just kind of being there. And while it's a bummer, and I think we should probably start talking about our our, our rankings for this one. Oh, that's I, next. I, I, I definitely see the justification for it, because while this movie offers some of the best kaiju action in terms of monster fights that we've seen, it it suffers in almost every other capacity in a way that does bring this movie down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let, let's talk about our own ratings for this film. And I've been going back and forth. I've, I've just changed my score again. I had it a little bit higher. I knocked it down, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been going back and forth myself, but I, I think I'm hard. sticking where I am. Well, why don't you start? What, what, what is sure. your rating for personal enjoyment? So, for my personal enjoyment, when I get to the fight, I'm super engaged with this movie. But because everything else just kind of feels ramshackle and, I mean, just nothing really connects. The characters are just there. The plot, like, I'm I'm fine with a dumb plot or a silly mm. plot, but it's just kind of like, it's all over the place in a way that just doesn't work. And frankly, I got a little bored in in certain parts of this movie. And while I think that the fight itself, if you, if, hey, if you're tuning in for just the fight, this movie is a must see in the Godzilla <laughs> canon. And you skip ahead right there and oh man, you got yourself a nine out of 10. Unfortunately, there is about like 55 other minutes you got to deal with. And it really drags this movie down for me. And so, our, I hate being so low for a fight <laughs> so good, but it's getting a seven out of 10. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was waffling between a seven or an eight. I think I'm going to end up with an eight 
I have so many to balance me out. <laughs> well, no, I, I I have so many great personal memories of this this because this might it's a, be it's a fun movie. Th- this or Ebra might be the first Godzilla movie I'd ever seen because of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and I have great memories of that film <laughs> because it's it's a great one to to spoof. But this is probably. I, I would have to admit the worst of the 1970s. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yes, absolutely. Maybe on par with versus Gigan, But yeah, while while Godzilla's screen time is, is kind of small, that that wrestling style performance is one of the most memorable of the 1970s in my mind. Like I can still remember it uh, from the first time I saw it. <laughs> That's so, so silly. So much fun. So, yeah, even maybe better than versus Gigan, but I think I gave this the same as versus Gigan, an eight out of 10. So I, I think it's great, but definitely personal enjoyment different from, from our other two rating criteria for the technical aspect. I'm giving it slightly lower marks, a seven out of 10. And it's so funny because this film is hard to rate in this, this aspect. Cause there's so many elements of the technical aspects I think are beyond great they're they're Mm -hmm. they're wonderful and so many things that it does extremely poorly so it averages out to like a very good on our rating scale i personally love megalon's design and execution i'm i'm indifferent about jet jaguar but like i said that's really grown on me throughout the years um and part of that is the retro (laughs) style kind of looks funky and fun now Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of reused footage in this film, something we didn't talk about. Some of it is integrated well, some of it is not. All of Megalon's kind of destruction sequences outside of the damn scene are reused Ghidorah, the three-headed monster destruction scenes, and this is now like the third time we've seen them in a Godzilla movie. Maybe fourth if you, if you count all of them, but yeah. Story-wise, uh, this is maybe the worst Godzilla movie dialogue character wise, but yeah, June Fukuda is at the top of his game here. I think it looks, there's some very interesting visuals. So I'm going a little bit lower for the technical and giving it a seven out of 10, maybe a little bit more good than bad in the film. Maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. This is getting a seven out of 10 here as well. I mean, for the reasons I stated, I, I think the script could have, could have been a lot stronger. I actually liked having a semi understandable villain. Like, like there's a reason they're attacking. I think they could have taken advantage of the film's environment or the franchise's environmental roots and really kind of hit that home. I know they're gearing more towards the younger audience to have a superhero fun time. But if, if you really want to do that, sprinkle more of these fights in then like, Mm -hmm. because I, I think that, a lot of the stuff they were doing it was kind of a kitchen sink approach. And it just doesn't really work because on some aspects, yeah, there's some great technical fighting here. There's some cool effects, but then you've got a score that doesn't quite mesh with everything. You've got a script that really has no characters. Mm-hmm. It just has. They're, they're technically humans that are yeah, in they, this film. Yeah, they, they, they are. They are human beings but and then i mean i can't really criticize the acting too much because they're not they're not asked to really do anything no no so they're they're in peril a few times but yeah it's just so funny compared to just so many of the ashiro honda characters that we've fallen in love with and even they were 
<laughs> you know, not given a lot to do in some of these Godzilla movies. These guys are given even less. So, <laughs> right. And so that's why I was just like, well, I, I, I think that there there's you know, plenty of good, but it just it's it's barely above average. And that's mm-hmm. kind of being nice. <laughs> you want to stick with seven out of ten. So we're both yeah. there for the evocative. I am, you know, like I said, a lot of fans cite this as one of the worst Godzilla movies, definitely one of the worst of the Showa era. And I can understand their point the the fact that there is not a single female character outside of like a harem of Setopian dancers is a yeah. bad choice, is a terrible yeah. choice. And yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why they decided on that. And, you know, Jet Jaguar outside of Singular Point and Megalon not having any other instances in the Godzilla series, not really having any legacy themselves is maybe a symptom or a result of this film not resonating as well as it did. But like I said, this movie is very formative for, for Western audiences. It was one Mm. of the first Godzilla movies I saw. It was probably the first for a lot of kids growing up in the the seventies and for better, for worse, that's the, the image of Godzilla that kind of stuck with the West for decades. You know, mm-hmm. until 98 Godzilla, maybe, which is <laughs> once again, for better or for worse. Yeah. So for that fact and the fact that this is probably objectively a very bad kaiju movie, <laughs> definitely not one that I would I would recommend to someone wanting to get into Godzilla films. I'm giving this one a very low score, a five out of ten on the our our evocative work of art scale, which I, I should probably check on that, but moderately insightful is, is what we have listed for, for that. It is right there in the middle for me. I'm, I'm slightly kinder, mm-hmm. but not by much. I I'm going with a six out of 10. I, I do think this has a little bit of resonance as, you know, it's place in, in, in history because because you had the MSC3K episode because you have one of the better fights in the Showa era like there will you'll have plenty of great fights in the Showa era but this is this is easily a, a top 5 Showa era fight and so there there needs to be some props given to it for that but i i tend to agree with you this is a one this is a this is one that's forgotten about a lot and it's so it's not even that, that people think it's actively the worst it's just they forget about it and and honestly sometimes that can be worse than being bad but I don't want to go. I don't want to go quite as low as five. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. And this, this is not a super evocative film outside of having just a killer fight scene. Well, well, you're not dropping it to five, and me changing my enjoyment to an eight out of ten has saved this film from relegation as indeed one of the worst films that would have dropped it down to a podcast final six out of ten. But, but we basically gave it the same score, each of us, which is a 6.6, which means the final is a 7 out of 10, which... I wonder if I should, uh... What? If I should, uh, change my score. <laughs> well, that puts it on the same level as the the last film in the series that we, we took a look at versus Gigan. Oh, I, th- yeah, I'm giving it a 5. No, it's not. It's not... 
<laughs> no. You you want it down below? Yeah. Yes. That. Yes. And uh, well, I was about to say that would put it over all monsters attack, which we gave a or no, put it at the same level as all monsters attack, which we gave it. Yeah, it, it is. It is definitely not not among those. And 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 honestly, being a honestly a six is probably the correct score for it because it is an above average movie. It's baseline good. It just happens to have a very good fight in it. So you're changing your score? Is that what you want to do? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I think when we first checked in about this, we don't always talk about our scores beforehand, but you were a good deal higher than than I was. But yeah, well, that'll bring us to a, a six out of 10, which is where I kind of saw it ending up, which is maybe why <laughs> I was I was trying to be kind for for the most part. I was trying to be kind too, but then that that's, this is where kindness gets you sometimes. That is, that is going to put it at the bottom of our Godzilla kind of rankings along with all monsters attack, but maybe where it should be still. I think if you're a Godzilla fan, you definitely got to check this out. If you've never seen the MST three K episode, it is impossible to, to find on, on DVD at this point. So you're going to have to find someone's, Oh, yeah, yeah, you'll have to YouTube pa- pass the tape. <laughs> Keep circulating the tapes, as it were, for, for that one. Uh, right. So that's going to do it for. So this has been a long episode for versus Megalon. A lot to say about some of these films. Really didn't think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got four monsters, Miles, four times the Kaiju to talk about. That's going to do it for this week's Kaiju versus history. Email us at Kaiju versus history at gmail.com. Uh, we're still on Twitter. Find us at Kaiju versus history and check out all the rest of our episodes where you find podcasts or Kaiju versus history.com or website. And yeah, rate review, comment on our show, share with your friends, tell us what you think. We would appreciate that. We still have years of this podcast to go. So you have plenty of time to to listen to and and watch the movies that we are checking out. Miles, what is happening next week on the podcast? Well, next time we take a look at what else Toho used the Megagora Goji Godzilla suit for this time on the small screen. That's right. Tune in next week for history versus zone fighter. Bum, 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 bum. Dun, dun, dun.